Good morning, everyone. And you expect it by now, but as I say each and every week, God is good. And all the time, amen. That's where I start each and every morning, and I believe we all should in believing that we truly serve a great God. Um, but today, we're going to be picking back up. Well, actually, I should probably introduce myself. Um, hi, I'm Pastor Eric. For you guys who don't know, I'm a pastor here at Montclair Community Church. My main responsibility is that of youth ministry, but one of the greatest privileges I have here is also preaching as well. I'm a part of our preaching team, and I truly believe God has given me a gift of teaching and of preaching, so I'm glad that the church can support that and give me an opportunity to be up here to preach, and I truly do believe that God will intercede everything we say as man, and he will be the one preaching today, which is amazing. But we are going to be starting in, not starting, we're going to be starting again in the book of Galatians. We have spent the past five weeks, excluding last week, in the book of Galatians, and for you guys who don't know what the book of Galatians is, it's a book in the Bible. Very simple, but it's a book written by Paul, and Paul to the churches of Galatia, to the many churches of Galatia. It wasn't just one church, it was many churches, and it was kind of a letter that was written very urgently. It's one of those letters you get in the mail that has a stamp on it that says, urgent, open immediately. It's from the IRS, and you owe them money. It's one of those things that's saying, you need to read this right now. Don't don't go read a text, don't go read a book, read this right now and apply it. He is sending this because in the church of Galatia, which he started in his first mission, there was Judaizers which came in there which were preaching a different gospel. Paul came there and preached a gospel that said, it is through Jesus Christ alone that gets you to salvation. And then the Judaizers were coming in, well, yeah, Paul's kind of right, but not really. It's through Jesus and also circumcision and also following the law and also following this and this and this and this and trying to make it that you can earn your way to salvation. And Paul got wind of this and immediately said, no, that is not correct, and writes this letter. This letter that is saying, please read Urgent Open Now. And just to give you guys a recap of the past couple sermons we've done, and we're only in the first chapter of Galatians, and we've already spent five sermons on this, and I think it's a blessing because we get to dig really deep into the scripture. We get to verses, and specifically this verse today, verse 17, that I kind of glanced past so many times because it just says, Oh, Paul went to Arabia, and then he went to Damascus. I'm like, cool, I don't really care where Paul went. But once you dig into it, it reveals a lot about the story of Paul's life. So we get to dig deep into these scriptures and read more and more in understanding of the Bible. So it's one of those blessings, but to catch you up on what you guys have missed, Paul introduces himself in just two short verses, and instead of his normal going into giving a thanksgiving of the church, he goes immediately into his rebuke and saying, how could you fall astray already? How could you forget the gospel that I preached to you? How could you be listening to these people already? He starts rebuking them instead of thanking them. And then these Judaizers were also coming in to that church, and they were saying, well, don't listen to Paul. He got his gospel from man. Don't listen to Paul. He wasn't with Jesus. He doesn't actually know what the gospel is. Eh, don't listen to Paul. He used to kill Christians. He used to imprison them. Don't listen to Paul at all. So then immediately after Paul rebukes this church for believing a different gospel, he jumps into defending himself. And to defend himself, he shares his gospel. And I'm going to operate under the assumption that a lot of you guys know the story of Paul and his testimony. We're going to cover it a little bit today, but if you don't know the whole story and how Paul got saved, Acts 9. It's a great chapter to lead. Even if you do understand it, you should read that chapter again. It preaches a lot to me personally, and we're going to cover a little bit of it today. But last week, or I'm sorry, two weeks ago, Dave Howard covered the first half of Paul's testimony. How Paul got saved, how it wasn't through man, how it was through God alone, and then today we're going to pick up on the second half of that with a sermon entitled, A Changed Life. Because Paul meets the gospel, and the way he meets is on the road to Damascus with a donkey that blinds him, and then he meets God there. 
And then once he does that, his entire life changes. And that is the changing power of the gospel that each and every one of us have the opportunity to encounter. So before we continue, I just want to pray. God, thank you for being a good God. Thank you for being a God whose gospel changes our lives, Lord. A gospel that isn't just an inactive gospel or something we read in the Bible. A gospel that is living each and every day, Lord, in ourselves and in this world. And we ask that you just... You enter today, Lord, and that your spirit fills this room and that ultimately you take away my words today, Lord, and that you preach and you intercede what I am saying as a man, that I am preaching your gospel, that is your word, that you intercede and that your Holy Spirit communicates what you want me to today, Lord. I ask that you just enter this room and that you help me to preach your gospel in a way that is impactful. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, I'm not going to cover the entirety of Paul's life, but it's important to note that Paul was a pretty bad guy. He really was not a nice guy, and we read this in Galatians 1.13, and it reads, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Paul was literally the guy who was trying to destroy the Christian church of that day. He was the guy the disciples were most afraid of. If he got the disciples, they were going to prison. They were not going to be able to share the gospel anymore. Everyone was trying to run away from Paul. Paul was this guy who literally went to the king and said, I want to arrest all of the Christians in this town. The king said, absolutely, go ahead and do it. Paul would go to that town, arrest all the Christians, bring them to jail, and then Judaism would spread through there. He was trying to stop the gospel at all cost. But then we see something happens on that road to Damascus. And we read a little bit about this in Galatians 1.15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace... This is talking about when Paul literally met Christ. When he was on that road to Damascus to persecute the church, there was a donkey there that met him and started talking to him, which really would have freaked me out. Then he got blind, he met Christ there and realized that this gospel that he was trying to destroy was the true gospel. The gospel that instead of him destroying now, he is now teaching. He met Jesus on that road and it changed his entire life. And from there, he did a lot of different things, but we read a little bit more about what he did in Acts 9, 18. And it says, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. Remember, he was blind. The scales fell off his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. He got up and immediately said, okay, I do truly believe Jesus Christ is king. He died on this cross for my sins and I am going to dedicate my life to that. And immediately got baptized. Instead of waiting a couple weeks to get baptized, instead of waiting a couple years to get baptized, he said, I want to make this public declaration that my life is now for Christ. And he immediately went out and got baptized. And this is kind of where we pick up our story today, which, by the way, uh, Dave read verse 18 to 24. We're actually going to go back one verse before that in verse 17. And it's a very simple verse talking about how Paul goes to Arabia and Damascus, but it means a lot once we start digging into it. So in Galatians 1.17, part A, it says, Nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia. And this first thing here is, again, remember that the Judaizers were coming in and saying, don't listen to Paul. He got his gospel from other men. He wasn't lift Jesus alone, so he couldn't really know what the gospel was. Yet Paul is saying here and defending himself, no, I did not get my gospel from man. I had this encounter on the road to Damascus that changed my entire life. I got baptized and then went immediately to Arabia. Which, by the way, Arabia is just a desert. There's really not much there. There's a couple towns sporadically there, but it's really just a desert. So Paul goes immediately to this town of a desert, but when we read Act 9, 18 through 19, it kind of seems like there's a contradiction between what Paul is saying here. So we're going to read that right now. 
And immediately, something like scales fell off his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. So it makes no mention of Arabia, of this desert. And when you first kind of read that, you're saying, okay, well, is Paul lying or is the book of Acts lying? What's happening? It seems like there's a contradiction. But again, as Christians, we operate that the Bible is God's word. It's inerrant. There is no way that it contradicts itself. And what we realize here is that the book of Galatians and the book of Acts are trying to accomplish two different things. The book of Acts is just giving an account of the early church. It's saying, well, this happened, this event happened, and this event happened, and then this person spread the gospel here, and this person went there. It's not giving a life account of Paul. So it's not meant to be a step-by-step of Paul went here, and then Paul went there, and then Paul went to Arabia to the desert for 40 days, and then Paul went to Damascus to preach the gospel, and then Paul went to Jerusalem. It's not meant to do that. It's just meant to give an account of how the church was spreading at that time. And then you look into the book of Galatia, and in this particular section, Paul's defending himself of saying, I did not get the gospel from man. So then why would Paul mention that he's going to this desert? Instead of going to Jerusalem, he says, instead of going to Jerusalem, I went to the desert away from everyone. So you remember the Judaizers were coming in there and saying, well, Paul couldn't have got the gospel from Jesus because he wasn't around then, so he got his gospel from man, so don't listen to him. So he's saying, no, I did not get my gospel from man. I got my gospel from Jesus on that road to Damascus, and then even after that, I didn't just go to Jerusalem to the disciples and say, please teach me the gospel. I went away to the desert for a time of recharging, of a time of, re-lear- Ooh, sorry. of relearning. Because ultimately, Paul, again, he was persecuting the church. He hated Christianity. He thought everything about Christianity was wrong. He wanted to stop it at all costs, and now he is a Christian. It's going to take some time to relearn that to relearn the way of this world, to relearn what the gospel truly means, to relearn what Christ is and how he can preach that. So he goes away to the desert to relearn that. And again, this is very reminiscent of Jesus' life. Before Jesus, or immediately after Jesus got baptized, he went to the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus went away, and during this time, Jesus was tempted by the devil, and he was also taught by angels. I am not saying that this is what happened to Paul, But I am saying that Paul went to the desert to relearn what he truly believed. It was a time to recharge and to relearn and say, okay, what is life now? My main purpose in life was to destroy Christianity. Now I'm the same thing that I was trying to destroy. What do I do with this? It was probably a time of fasting. It was probably a time of prayer. It was a time of reading through the scriptures of the Torah and understanding who Christ really is. And this was before he ever started his ministry. But then immediately after this, Paul starts his ministry. And that's when we learn about Damascus. And that's the second part of Galatians 17b, where it reads, but I went away to Arabia, which again is that desert he went away to, and then returned again to Damascus. So again, these verses seem really small. It's just, okay, he went to Arabia and he went to Damascus. But what happened in Damascus, we learn a lot more about it in Acts 9. And it's extremely important to do that because this is the start of Paul's ministry. This is where Paul realizes what he's called to. This is where Paul realizes that God has a purpose for him and a reason for him to become a Christian. This is extremely important because it is the start of Paul's ministry. And we read even more about this. And by the way, I think it's really awesome that, hey, Paul was on his way to Damascus. He got saved. He was on his way to persecute them. After he gets saved, he goes there to share the gospel. It turns around. The purpose he was going there was to destroy. Instead, he starts building up the church. I would have loved to be one of those people in that synagogue that Paul walks into 
and everyone's saying, oh crap, who's getting arrested right now? What's gonna happen to our church is gonna be taken down, and instead Paul walks up to that front and starts preaching the gospel. That's the true changing power of the gospel, to flip the purpose of the reason Paul was going there completely 180, and instead of persecuting and destroying, he builds up the church. But we read a lot more about this, and we do even read that Paul was going there in Acts 1, or 9, 1, 2, but Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for the letter of the synagogue at Damascus. And so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So it's just, again, showing that Paul was on his way to Damascus before he got saved to destroy the church, to find any man or woman who was preaching the gospel, who believed in Christianity, and throw them in prison, to stop the spread of gospel immediately. And instead, what he winds up doing is completely different. And we read this in Acts 9, 19b through 25. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, he is the son of God which just that alone would be amazing for Paul to walk in and say, Jesus is the son of God. That's a completely 180 way of what he was viewing it before, but he continues. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is this not the man who had wreaked havoc in Jerusalem and those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for the purpose to bring them bound before the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and was confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by providing that Jesus was Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but the disciples took him by night, led him down through an opening in the wall, and lowered him in a basket. If that's not the changing power of the gospel, I don't know what is. Paul goes there to persecute them, instead walks in and says, Jesus is Christ, or God's son. He starts proclaiming the gospel, he starts building up the gospel, he starts preaching the gospel for two and a half years about we don't know exactly, it says for three years before he went to Jerusalem, he was in Damascus. Some of that time he was in the desert as well, so we just say two and a half years, he was preaching the gospel there and he was building up the church to a point where the Jews that he would have been working alongside to stop Christianity, say, hey, we got to get rid of this guy. This guy was on our team before, but instead he showed up and now he is preaching the gospel and he's fighting against what we were going to. So now we got to get rid of him. And they have a plot to kill him, they have a plot to get rid of him, because his life was changed because of the gospel. And then immediately after that, instead of Paul going to somewhere that's a little easier than Damascus, instead of just going to any place in Galilee, going to any city, he kind of goes immediately into the lion's den. He goes to the disciples in Jerusalem, the same people he was most afraid of. This is kind of like the mafia boss. If Paul, when he was persecuting the Christians, was able to get the disciples, he could stop so much of that spread. He could stop all of these people learning about the gospel. These are the people who are most afraid. If they heard Paul was going to Damascus, they were running the other way to preach the gospel somewhere else. They didn't want to be anywhere near Paul. And Paul says, hey, I've changed my life. It's been three years. I started preaching the gospel. I now truly believe in this message, and I want to go to the disciples. And rightly so, the disciples were a little bit afraid. We read in Galatians 1.18, I got a little ahead of myself, but Galatians 1.18 through 20, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cyphus, who is Peter, and remained there with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. And that is very important, the part where he says, what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Because remember, in this book, Paul is defending himself 
from the Judaizers in Galatia who are saying, don't listen to Paul. He went to Jerusalem. He got the gospel from the disciples, from the 12 disciples. They preached him. They probably preached him some things that were pretty wrong. So don't listen to him. Instead, listen to us and listen to us who are saying that the gospel is more than just Jesus on the cross. So he's coming in there and saying, I do not lie to you that the, when I went to Jerusalem, I only met with two disciples. I only met with Peter and James. Those are the only two people I met with and the only two people who could have shared the gospel with me. So he went there, and rightly so we see in Acts. Oop, that's the wrong page. Give me one second. Ooh, I printed out the wrong stuff. Feared him most. I have like three of the same copies of my first page. So we can just keep going through the intro. <laughs> Tempted the disciples, they were all. Okay, there we go, I found it. Good thing I printed out more than I needed. So in Acts 9.26, we learn how afraid the disciples really were of him. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him. For they did not believe that he was a disciple. So he showed up, and we see that the disciples, instead of meeting him and saying, hey, I heard about the great things you were doing at Damascus, they run away from him. They say, I think you're trying to con me. Maybe you're undercover, you're trying to act like you're a Christian. You went to Damascus and had people spread lies to us that you were preaching the gospel. Now you're going to show up in Jerusalem and you're going to say, ha ha, I got you. Surround them with all these Roman soldiers and bring them to prison. So they're saying, eh, I'm not really, I don't really want to come see you. And the only two that we learn in Galatia that were brave enough to see him were Peter and James. So Peter and James, Barnabas brings him to Peter and James. And we read this in Acts 9.27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, which in our learning is just Peter and James. It's not all 12 apostles, it's just the two. And declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he has preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he's literally going to them and saying, hey, I understood that I tried to persecute you, but I met Jesus. My life has changed. I am now doing a 180, and now I am preaching the gospel to these people. I'm going out to Damascus, and I'm saying God is real. Christ is the Son of God, and he is the true salvation. He's now preaching it, and the only two disciples that hear him are Peter and James. But Peter and James hear this and say, hey, you can stay with Peter. So Paul stays with Peter for 15 days, and during that 15 days, we read in Acts 9, 28 through 29, so he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, and he spoke disputes against the Hellenistics, but they were seeking to kill him. I honestly feel like half of Paul's life was just running away from people who tried to kill him. He was so on fire from God that from the second he changed his life on that road to Damascus, he started preaching the gospel two years at Damascus, then there's a threat to kill him. Then he went to Jerusalem. The disciples didn't really want to meet it with him. Then he started preaching the gospel in Jerusalem, and almost immediately, just two weeks later, the Jews said, I, we got to kill him. It is crazy the, how on fire he was that despite these many plots to kill him, he continued to spread the gospel because he knew the changing powers it had. And that is truly the effects of a changed life that he said, okay, I'm going to come to Jerusalem despite the apostles and the disciples not truly believing that I'm one of them, I'm going to show them. I'm not going to just be defeated. I'm not just going to say, ugh, they don't believe me, whatever. What's the point of being a Christian if I don't have them all on my side? He said, no, 
I'm going to show them that I truly do understand and believe the gospel. I'm going to preach the gospel to these people. I'm going to fight the Jews and tell them that what they are believing is wrong because my life has been changed. And then the plot to kill him. And then immediately after killing, or not killing him, after the plot to kill him, we read in, again, we read in Galatians 1.23, what happens. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he was once tried to destroy. And we read a little bit more about this in Acts 9.31. So the church throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and were being built up. And that's exactly where Paul was. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So Paul had this life-changing event that Pastor Dave covered last two weeks ago. Had this life-changing event on Damascus where his whole life was changed. He met Jesus Christ, he understood the gospel, he understood the changing powers of it. And instead of persecuting, he now went to build up the churches. He now went to glorify God. And this is exactly where our application comes in. Because if you have understood the gospel, if you had heard that Jesus Christ has come to this earth to reconcile with us, that there has been sin on this earth since Adam and Eve that has separated us from God, yet he put in a plan to bring back into reconciliation for Jesus Christ to be sent on this earth, live 30 years of perfect life without ever sinning, performing miracles and preaching, and then to die on a cross, a sinner's death for each and every one of our sins. If we truly believe that gospel and that that person that Jesus Christ was dying on the cross for us, us, and for our sins, we have no other option but to change. We have no other option but to change our actions, to change our words we say, to change the way we love people, but to be changed just like Paul was changed. There is no other option when we truly understand the gospel but to change. If you have understood the gospel and you say, hey, I'm a believer, and you still continue to live in the same way you did before, I'm not here to judge, but I'm going to repeat what James says. And where is your faith without your works? Can you have faith without works? Not that your works can save you, but when you have true faith, you are changed to the point that what you are doing is different. That the words you speak are different. That the actions you do to your coworker are different. That the way you interact with your family is different. There is no way but to change when we understand the gospel. Just in the same way Paul was persecuting the church, and once he understood what they were saying and what the gospel was true, he had no other option but to now preach the gospel, but to share the gospel, to say, I'm here to build up the church instead of tear down the church, and that is exactly what we are called to. Because when we understand that truth of the gospel, that Jesus has sent his son for you, for me, for you, for everyone, we truly have no other option but to change our life. And that is the only option we have, and I went back and forth on how to really make this applicable is when I give a message, I like to say, okay, well, here's one step, two steps, three steps that you can do to change your life. But ultimately, the change in your life happens when you accept Christ. And when you accept the Holy Spirit into your life, you now get this little voice in your head that's saying, hey, this old way you were going about, the cursing you were doing, the way you were talking about your coworkers, what you were doing with your family, that's, that's not really acceptable anymore. Instead, you should be building everyone up with love. Instead, you should be loving on people. Instead, you should be preaching the gospel. Instead of talking down to your coworkers, you should try to help them. So it's not really my job to give you ways to change your life. That's the Holy Spirit's job, and I'm going to leave it that way because he does a much better job than I do.
But the reason we change is included in these verses that we just read. And we read this in Galatians 1.24. And they glorified God because of me. I'm going to read that one more time. And they glorified God because of me. If we could have every person that we met say that, we would be accomplishing our goals as Christians. Yet it is rarely that we meet people who even say, hey, you're a little bit different than these other non-Christians I talk to. It is rare we meet people who even say, are you a Christian? Do you believe in God? Because you're just acting just like everyone else. But when we truly understand the changing, the life-changing power of the gospel, and we change our life completely 180, there's no other option but to change everything about us, to start loving everyone we meet, even when they're annoying us. And all of it is for the reason of glorifying God. Not that Paul was the reason that they were glorifying God. They were glorifying God because the love of Christ was showing through him. Because the life-changing power of the gospel and the love of Christ who sat on that cross and died for Paul's sins was shining through him in a way that everyone could see. And the only way they could express it was saying, and they glorified God because of Paul. A man who was living way left, was persecuting the church, was destroying the church, now changes his life and goes towards Christ and starts building up the church. And ultimately, this is the challenge today, is just, if you are not a Christian and you're hearing this life-changing power and you're saying, wow, that sounds amazing, that's not me, that's not anything I'm saying, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you and saying, hey, there's something here. There's something more than what this random guy is saying up on the stage. There's something true about this. And the truth in that is that you, there's a God who loves you, a God who cares for you, and a God who wants a relationship with you, and ultimately a God who sent his son to die for you, to reconcile the distance that we had between him and make us connected again, to have a relationship with him. So if that's you, the challenge today is just to accept the gospel, to come up to any of the pastors, to come up to me after, come up to any of our leaders, even just send us an email if you don't have time today, and say, hey, I, I heard the gospel today, and I want to know what to do next. Because I can promise you, it is going to change your life for the best way possible. And then there's some of us who have been Christians for just maybe a couple years, even a couple weeks at this point, and you just walked into church and you said, I'm kind of new to this whole faith thing. Some random guy on the subway shared the gospel with me, and I figured I should go to church this Sunday. You may be in that time where Paul went to the desert. You may be in that Arabia time. You may be in that same time where Jesus went to the desert, where you're relearning your life, where you're relearning what the gospel says, where you're relearning what everything is about. You're relearning what your purpose is, and that's completely okay. We have community groups here. We have people who would love to mentor you. We'd have people who would love to come alongside you in your journey of relearning your life and relearning what it truly means to accept the life-changing power of the gospel. So if that's you, join one of our community groups, reach out to our pastors and say, hey, I just want to grab coffee and understand what the gospel really is. Because I can still promise you, it is life-changing. And then there's some of us, myself included at some points, who have been a Christian for a long time. Yet some of our actions never change. And I understand, and I speak from a place of truly understanding this, it's hard to change our actions. It's hard to change. But when we truly understand the sacrifice Jesus has done, the love God has gave us, the grace that is extended to us, we have no other option. 
So this is a challenge to not just accept that sin you've been living with for the past five months. To not just accept that coworker that you hate and you talk badly about, your, about their back. To not just accept the division between you and your spouse, but to say, I want reconciliation. I want to show the love of Jesus Christ to every single person I meet. To say that I am a changed man because of the gospel, because of the blood of Jesus Christ that has changed me, has made me white as snow. I need to change my actions. So my challenge for those of us who have been a Christian for a long time is to not forget the life-changing power of the gospel. Go back to it. Reread the gospels. Reread what the gospel says about how much God loves you, about how much God cares for you, and how he wants to be glorified through your life. Because ultimately, all of this change comes from that. It comes from the understanding of the gospel. It comes from the understanding that God had a plan from the way beginning to save us from the, from the separation we had from him. So go back to the gospel and pray to the Holy Spirit that he can help us change in a way that everyone will be saying, they glorified God because of me. That is our goal. That is our goal. That everyone we meet, everyone we spend time with will glorify God because we are living the love of the gospel out. So I'm going to pray. The worship team can come on up. We're going to end today. God, you are a God of love, a God who truly loves us beyond any measure, like a God who cares so much about us, Lord, that cares so much that when sin entered this world, created a plan that would bring us back into reconciliation with him, a plan that involved his very own son, his only son, his loved son, his begotten son, that he sent him to earth to live on the sinful world, which was much worse than where he was, for 30-some years, and then ultimately die on that cross for our sins, that sinner's death, that he died for my sin, for your sin, for each and every person's sin in this world, that he could bring us back into reconciliation with a God who promises much more, who promises a changed life, and a changed life not for our own good, but to glorify him. So thank you for that, God. And I pray for each person today that the Holy Spirit, if they put it on their heart to accept the gospel for the first time, that's amazing, and that is a joyous moment, and I ask that they would share with people around them, Lord, because we want to celebrate with them. And for those who are in the time of the desert, who are those who are in the time of the Arabia and are relearning their life, who maybe came from a Catholic background, came from a non-Christian background, or came from a different denomination and saying, hey, some of the things I learned was wrong, ask that you just come alongside them, Lord. That you bring the older men and the mentors alongside them, that they can learn what your gospel is and what your life was truly about and how to glorify you. And for those of us who have been Christians for such a long time, and yet there's some parts of our lives we don't want to change or we cannot change. I ask for your help with that, Lord, to reteach us the gospel, to reteach us how much you have loved us and how much you care for us, Lord, and how much that does change our life, to have the Holy Spirit speak to us and help us change. Lord, today I ask that you just, you reteach us all the gospel and the life-changing effects that it happens, Lord. Because when we learn that, we have no other option but to change. And people will say, they glorify God because of us. In Jesus' name, amen.